Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, bringing you expert insight on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture, and helping you navigate the Emerging Europe region. Hosted by Andrew Robel. Remember to visit the show's page, emerging-europe.com forward slash multimedia, or check the hashtag EETalks on social media. This is Emerging Europe Talks People, and we'll focus on digital skills and financial literacy in Tajikistan and Uzbekistan. My name is Andrew Robel, and today I am joined by Zuhursho Rahmatuloyev, one of the founders of Aleph, a successful challenger bank with over 600,000 users in Tajikistan and Uzbekistan that is currently expanding here in the UK. Zuhursho, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks a lot. It's, it's a great opportunity to say something, to, to share some thoughts and, and be on this podcast. Thank you. Awesome. So let's kick it off. So you are one of the three founders of Alif uh, Bank, and all of you were educated either in the UK or, or the US. And after your studies, you decided to go back to Tajikistan. And one of your goals was to digitally improve and power the community. Why was that so important for you? Thank you for, uh, for the question, Andrew. Two of us, two of the founders graduated from UK universities and another founder was, uh, you know, studied in the United States. Uh, we came to Tajikistan around 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. And um, we saw a lot of, of course, let's say digital gaps. We, because we studied and worked in the financial sector around the world, as well as in Tajikistan, given our backgrounds and education, we realized that a banking system at the time was relatively underdeveloped. And you would have to go to a bank to do very simple transactions that would take you very long hours. Sometimes, let's say, to, to pay for your bills or to take out a loan, it would take you days of a really hard work to collect information, to collect documents, to, to apply for something, let's say credit facility, etc., or to make a very simple payment. And um, we believe that one of the strengths that we had is to basically uh, put in place a system, a very, to the extent possible, digitalized system that would allow people, ordinary people, to transact uh, freely, easily, and of course, safely using latest technology out there. So given the fact that Tajikistan and Uzbekistan are landlocked countries and uh, any sort of communication with the outside world is basically a challenge. Given the post-Soviet nature of our economies, we have a lot of catching up to do with the rest of the world. And digital transformation and digital literacy, uh, we believe, are a developmental necessity. And of course, to continue you know, that thought, the path that we chose depended on three major elements. The first, as I mentioned already, it's our educational as well as professional backgrounds. Secondly, we had to pick an area 
that would have a wider impact on all sectors and industries in the economy. And third, of course, it didn't require a lot of heavy machinery or capital investment because we started as a startup. We didn't have a lot of money. Okay. And of course, of course, Andrew, I can't ignore the fact that coming back to the region, coming back home was a personal choice and a commitment to building our own, you know, our home countries in our region. I hope this answers your question. It does. So how would you describe the, the skills, this literacy that we have been talking about for a while right now? What has changed? How has that developed over the years? Of course, as an entrepreneur, I think there is a constant kind of urge and need to do something faster, better. And when you, when you speak, when we speak of or, or discuss a matters of how happy we are on the, let's say, on the speed or the, or the rate of change in our societies, I think it, it always can be better. But let's get, take a very simple example, a practical example. If we purely take the example of smartphone usage with the access to, to the internet, the current understanding here, of course, there's like, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence, more or less, because access to real and interesting and let's say a strong data is lacking as of today. But with the current understanding is that having a smartphone is almost, almost a must for someone who's above 16 years old in our region, in our countries as well. Of course, it's, it's the trend all over the world. But in our countries as well, Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, and the beauty, and the beauty of smartphones is that they somehow convinced the technology, right? The, the user experience somehow convinced all the generation the ones who mostly skipped the computers and laptops to use mobile phones more readily and actively. As of today, if we speak of internet penetration as a useful kind of indicator to understand to what extent it's developed or being developed. In Tajikistan, we have the internet penetration of around 26% and in Uzbekistan, around 55%. And this is according to the report produced in 2020 by KPMG in, in our region. There could be some, of course, Different sources say different things, but we have a lot of room to improve in. And this is being changed. It's getting better. And of course, in order to speed up any process, you need to have, let's say, successful examples of someone who's actually doing this. Okay. And we have quite a few players, entrepreneurs and businesses who are trying to digitize their processes and to digitize their services, products as much as possible and investing a lot of time and energy to bring this to the market. Once we have the, the more or less strong infrastructure, like very good internet penetration, let's say regulatory environment and beyond, I think we will be able to catch up faster, much faster. So you mentioned the infrastructure. You, you also brought up the regulatory sort of framework. What are there challenges are there in countries like Tajikistan for, you know, when it comes to the development of financial services like uh, Alif? Challenges. Mm -hmm. I think given the nature of our economies, as I said, the, the fact that we are moving away or moved away to, to some extent from the, to, to, you know, the understanding of the planned economy versus market economies. Of course, today we have a political establishments in both countries which are children of both worlds, let's say. 
of the Soviet past and the current, the new world, the new brave world. And of course, given the fact that the regulators generally, they are conservative in nature, maybe it's a wrong assumption, but, you know, as of today, that's what I think. It's, of, you know, of conservative nature. And because of that transition that needs to be taken, and it takes a bit of time, you know, regulation tends to be quite conservative, in, especially in financial sector. In Tajikistan, we are, the understanding is that we are more liberal in terms of regulation of banks, let's say, and the financial sector generally than in Uzbekistan. But the difference is that Tajikistan, we had already, you know, some crisis, you know, banking crisis, etc. Whereas in Uzbekistan, we never had this, okay, over the past, let's say, 20, 30 years since the independence, of course. So the challenges, the main challenges is that I think we need more entrepreneurs who would actually try to help the regulator to understand better and, and, and build that trust between the two. Okay. The, it's the usual kind of building of trust between public and private sector uh, question. And this is happening, is taking place as one entrepreneur in, in Tajikistan when I was working there or based in, in Dushanbe would say, an Iranian entrepreneur would say that guys, there are a lot of challenges. And it's not a question of whether it's going to take place or not, any, any development, any progress. It's the question of when. So we feel the urge that we need to just speed up to improve the, the rate of change and the rate of understanding. There will be, of course, quite a few kind of mistakes and quite some, let's say, mini crises in any experiment. That's fine. But I think our regulators and the political establishment has to be just open to that. And I feel that the trend is there. They're open and it's happening. It's taking place as we speak. So I think, you know, if you if we look at you guys, you know, you were, like we said earlier, educated in, in the so-called West and, and, you know, you've come back to, to the two countries or to Tajikistan. But what about the people that have been, you know, in Tajikistan, you know, for their entire life? Do you see their entrepreneurial sort of needs developing as well? Do you see that, you know, there are more entrepreneurs, you know, out there? Yes, indeed. For the past two, over two years, I've been here in Uzbekistan and it's reforming fast as a country. It's really, really trying to, to do its best to be more attractive, uh, working on its uh, business environment, you know, the, the business climate, as we call it. And it's, it's, it's happening very fast, quickly, but People don't change overnight, right? You, you can change a law or regulation relatively easy or relatively. But to comply with that regulation, to uh, basically to understand it, it takes a bit of time, okay? You would usually use, you know, as an entrepreneur, let's give you an example. For example, uh, like 10 years ago, you would need to look for friends and family connections in order to get a license or something, maybe. But this is changing and you have to kind of prove to the regulator that you are competent, you're capable, and you basically meet all the requirements to, to get a license, any license. It could be mining, it could be banking, etc. And this is a good development and this is happening in Tajikistan. And as I am experiencing this firsthand here in Uzbekistan as someone who came from outside and investing in the country. So this is what I can say on this particular matter. 
And when it comes to the potential of the market, we said at the very beginning that, uh, you know, Alif has gotten over 600,000 customers already. What about the potential in other sectors? How do you see that? Or in banking as well? Of course, I would, if you, if you don't mind, Andrew, I would limit my answers to, to the area that I more or less understand. And um, basically, according to the, to the same report from KPMG, you know, 30 million people are still basically in the shadow in the region. From, you know, the region, which includes four uh, countries in their report, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyz Republic, and Kazakhstan. So you know, in terms of internet penetration, in terms of e-commerce, we still have 30 million people who are overlooked. Okay, it's, it's a half of the population, basically. Half of the population of that region, of this region. And speaking of potential, and there's a huge room for growth. For example, the numbers that we have, 600,000, it's very few. It's just a, a, a small portion of those who can potentially be served by us and by or any other player out there. And the, the ones that we work with, I would assume there are more or less early adopters, the ones who are more or less tax savvy. And these are the ones who would actually teach others, neighbors, friends, etc., to use our services. Our products, and the, the you know to, to put it just simply, the potential is huge. Is just the beginning of our journey when it comes to Central Asia, and serving, especially these two markets like Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, and this is what's happening right now. And the potential is there, and we are very excited to be at this stage of of the of of development of our countries. Tell me also about, you know, I mean, you've experienced both countries. I'm talking about Tajikistan and, and Uzbekistan. Yes. And Uzbekistan is a country which is becoming visible on a global stage, if I can call Indeed. it that way. I would say Tajikistan is a little bit behind. Yep. Why do you think so? And what do you think can be done for both countries to be looked at by potential investors from uh, from the United States, from the UK, from Europe? <laughs> Thank you. Very, very interesting question. I think, first of all, it's, a, it's the political will of, of political establishments of, of, of two countries. I think, given the fact that Uzbekistan, let's say start, start from Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan made it public to the world. There was a change of power in 2016 when and, and another person came to power, meaning become, became a president, he committed and made it public and made it very clear to everyone in, you know, in the neighborhood, which is region and beyond, that we're going to reform our country and we want to have a better life for our citizens and for our country. So this message was very powerful. And he and, and basically his administration and the political elite started slowly but surely changing things for the best, okay, in terms of you know, commitment to free market economy, privatization, allowing foreign players coming and competing with local guys. And basically there was a very close, the, the gap was, you know, started shrinking between the, the theory and practice. So basically the president walked the talk and this is what's happening right now. Of course, we have the COVID challenges all over the world. And it, it has affected everyone here in the region, especially. But, you know, despite these challenges, I think Uzbekistan is still true to its word to keep improving, changing, 
and the question of human rights and everything. Okay, so it's important not just to say something that, yes, we're going to do this, but actually, you know, walk in that talk. And the Tajikistan is also is very open and, and the laws and regulations are, you know, quite clear. They're there. The, from the practical perspective or the, and how things are being put into practice is a question that I think is better answered by someone who invested in Tajikistan who is a maybe foreigner, an international, let's say, entrepreneur, because I am from Tajikistan. I'm a citizen of Tajikistan. And for me personally, it's very difficult to be objective because I'm always hopeful. I'm always hopeful because my home is going to get there. I'm there to fix it, to help it, to, to do whatever it takes to make sure that my home country is, at, is prospering. And it, this is happening because based on our experience as Alif, you know, the company and our community of business people, the founders, the track record that we have since 2014, it basically shows that it is possible to do something. It is possible to serve as, as so many people, over 500,000 people out of, let's say, 10 million population. This is happening and we are serving as an example for other entrepreneurs as well. But the rate of change, I feel that Uzbekistan as fast as you as you rightly mentioned and it's it's more public it's more uzbekistan because it's a more or less like a touristic you know the the tourism destination it has a lot of sightseeing old cities of samarkand and bukhara and it's from that perspective it's very visible and this is it makes sense tajikistan doesn't have maybe relatively as much to show in terms of historical sightseeing etc although there are many many interesting things so the visibility wise can be explained through that prism. Let me go back to the very beginning. I mentioned that you guys are going to the UK right now and expanding in the UK. So I understand that one of the challenges that you're facing right now is also access to additional funding because generally in Eastern Europe or in Central Asia, this has always been, you know, a challenge that made businesses, you know, develop slowlier. Is that the case? And what do you want to do in the UK? Two of, of the founders, including myself, we studied and, and graduated from UK universities. I think it was a natural move for us to choose UK, UK as the, uh, as the jurisdiction where you would have some sort of connection, like a personal connection, as well as the, the business climate there is, is different and there is much to learn from different, many, many different perspectives. For example, it's a new and of course, it's a very exciting chapter for us, for our team and our holding company, Alif Capital uh, Holding Limited, is uh, is in the UK. Okay, it's registered in the UK, and um, we felt the urge, uh, we felt the urge to strengthen our presence, to work more effectively with different stakeholders, investors, fellow entrepreneurs. So basically, to stay ahead of the game in terms of trends in tech, and because we interact with so many different uh, entrepreneurs in in fintech, and most of them. Because London is one of the hubs, fintech hubs, it's important for us to, to understand what's happening globally. Even though we are acting and working locally, but we have to understand where the tech is going, where the trends are going, pushing. So we, we provide and we prepare for new challenges like five, 10 years ahead. Okay? It was very important for us. And of course, from a lot of our investors and, and stakeholders, it's comfortable to have a holding company in the UK. 
it's uh, reassuring, let's say, and and um, and basically networking generally with um, tech people, investors from our region and beyond is easier in the UK. And it was a very, very simple and, and natural decision to make from our perspective. Zuhur Show, thank you very much for the chat today. It was a real pleasure and best of luck for the developments in the UK, but more, most importantly, in Tajikistan and Uzbekistan. Thank you very much. Pleasure is mine, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com. Thank you.